The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Yep, okay. That's that's (laughs) what we do now. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. I'll, I'll get used to that. All right. <laughs> this week on the show, we'll talk about what I'm going to dub as the sketchiest five-game win streak of all time. We'll recap last week's games and preview this week's matchups against the Blazers, Grizzlies, Rockets, and Timberwolves. Follow us on Twitter at SunnyandPHXPod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. Shout-outs are in order for our bet question from last week. We were guessing Chris Paul assists against his old team, the Houston Rockets. Between the two of us, I won. I got my first win of the regular season because I guessed 10. You tried to do the old Price is Right trick on me by saying 9, but Chris Paul had 13. So on the season, you're now up 2-1. to one. Uh, but shout out to at comic evangelists on Twitter. He was closest. I believe he said 14. So just one off. So congratulations to friend of the show at comic evangelist. You can go on Twitter at sunny and PHX pod. And when we tell you about the bet question later, you can answer it on Twitter and you will have a chance to get a shout out on next week's show. All right, we're going to start things off today by talking about what exactly has happened during this crazy five-game winning streak. And we have to start off with the Robert Sarver news. Uh, We've been hearing more and more about it. We're a little late to the party on this episode, so we're not going to dive into it. You've all read it. You've all seen all about it. But this is something that the team is going through right now. Despite that, we're still winning games. So that's really good to see. But now, more and more keeps coming out about the whole situation. It seems like every day there's a new tidbit. So it's getting me to start wondering, how far is this going to go? We know the NBA is doing its investigation now. So what more are we going to hear? And what could even potentially be done about this? That's what I'm ultimately concerned about. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough question because I read the Baxter Holmes article and I think it's uh there's a lot of very incriminating stuff in that. I think the issue that people are pointing out is unlike the Donald Sterling situation years ago with the Clippers, there isn't photo or video or audio evidence of these things happening. Now, there is some stuff that's kind of damning, though, in this that even Sarver and his legal team said about himself in the article. He pantsed an employee. He admitted to that in front of, (laughs) in the interview with his legal team. So that's bad. Uh, I think he even admitted to something else. Um, I'm blanking, but that's the one that stands out uh, because that's just not something you do. Like, the average person would like for sure be fired for doing that to someone at work. So just considering that, and I don't know, it just makes me think he said he admitted to that with his legal team present. Like, are they telling him like, Oh yeah, just pick a couple of these and like, say you did it and apologize. Like it's not a good look. No, not at all. And Now, the most recent thing is that his wife has texted a few ex-sons employees talking about not not quite threatening them by I I wouldn't say that, but saying things like 
what if this were to happen to you? You have children too. Things along those lines. So it's it's like uh they're they're playing defense already. Yes. With yeah. with still nothing exactly damning that's been confirmed yet. Right. So the the word I saw to describe this was intimidation. Sarver's wife has been messaging former employees intimidating them. And I agree, they are for sure playing de- they've been playing defense since before the article came out. I remember when we saw the owner's response to all of this. Um I was just like, if you were innocent, you wouldn't have to say these things. And I want to point something out. The Blazers are also being investigated right now. And the only statement their ownership has put out is, we welcome the NBA's investigation. Nothing else. Because Sarver set the blueprint of exactly what not to do. (laughs) So... I look at the Blazers situation, I think, did they just see the train wreck of what the Suns did? Or, you know, are they really innocent and they know they're innocent, so they're just going to say, yeah, let's see what the investigation says. But I think the the response that the ownership of the Suns has put out is um, not encouraging for them. It makes them look very guilty. Yeah, and it's interesting seeing that coming like that initial response coming from the Suns' official Twitter, you yeah. know, there's only one guy who could have pulled that off. If uh, that's right, you know, if if these accusations had been about James Jones or Monty Williams or something, do you think uh, every you know every single social media platform would be coming to bat for him? So that that's yep. just uh, you, you know, it's gonna happen because he's the managing partner or the owner whatever you whatever his exact position is he he can do that stuff and it's uh it sucks you know it's not it's not cool but this is uh this is what happens he's he's the boss and he can he can do those things but will he be the boss when all this is said and done i don't know what the nba investigation could potentially even turn over to make this a an offense like something similar to Sterling where they were able to force him out of his ownership position. I, I, uh, man, do I want it to happen? Yeah. Yes, probably. I do. do, It just sucks though, because as the organization, that's going to be hung over their heads. I mean, how many people went along with it? Front office members. I mean, there's so many people that are employed by the organization and, it, it, if they sat through it, didn't speak up at the time. I mean, that that has to be such just a a terrible work environment for one thing. And uh, it's it's just so sloppy, man. It, it's such a shame that after the year we had last year, this is the stuff mm-hmm. that we're dealing with. And I mean, the Aiton deal, the Jalen Smith deal. There's so many crummy things that have been going on yet. We're on a five-game win streak, and we're starting to look a little bit like that playoff team from last year. That's right. And I've got one pretty negative comment and then one a little bit more positive comment to round this out. I'm just going to say, as someone who used to work in a front office, get used to this. These stories are going to continue coming. Uh, There's a reason why I left, because I was very upset at how corrupt everything was and what I saw from front office people. So get used to it. Like, these stories are not the exception. Like, there's going to be more of these. So what happens with the Suns, unfortunately, is not surprising. The Blazers, here it is. Like, other teams are going to start. I mean, the Kings had an issue with this a while back. The the Clippers, of course, like, just get used to it. Like, these stories are going to continue to come. Now, the positive side of this, that... I actually saw a few people on Twitter point this out. Robert Sarver does not represent the players on the team. He doesn't represent the fans. He happens to be the owner of the team. And like, am I going to go out and buy a Suns t-shirt right now? No, I'm not. Because that's going to support Sarver right now. But am I going to watch the games? Yeah. Because that's, you know, he does not represent the players. 
very good point. I think that's a, as fans, that's probably the best way for us to take it because we don't care what Robert Sarver's doing right now. We just care about those 48 minutes out on the court. So, that's yeah, right. I mean, yeah, don't buy the T-shirt. Just watch the game. It's right. all good. The NBA is doing their investigation. Let's let that happen and see what comes of it. Uh, players will still be making those contracts, even if we're not buying T-shirts. It'll That's be just right. fine. That is true. Yep. Not DeAndre Ayton yet, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Speaking of, let's talk about him a little bit. Uh, we, he went down with that right lower leg contusion last week, came back for one game against the Rockets, played pretty well, but then the two after that went back to the bench. So it's uh, interesting to see him be able to come in, drop 16 and 11, and say, eh, maybe I'm not ready yet. Kind of kind of weird. But then again, we get to see Frank Kaminsky back out on the court doing big things. Yeah. I just love Frank Kaminsky so much. And I think Eddie Johnson put this very well in, uh, I think it was the most recent broadcast against the Kings. He's just, just saying that, Frank Kaminsky is finally able to do what he's intended to do. He's playing his game. He's taking open shots. If he's not open, he's making a good pass because he's a fairly good playmaker given his his size and his ability. Um, and he's cutting to the basket more. He's doing everything he can on defense. He's still not a great defender, but that's okay. He's doing what he can on that end. Yeah, Uh I feel like right when he got here, we'd see a lot of possessions die with him trying to back it down into the post, like he did at Wisconsin and was excellent at that in college. But we've seen him stray away from that quite a bit, especially just this short year already, which uh, I, I've seen him getting to the basket on an off-ball cut and dunk it more than I've seen him try to work it in the post. And... uh I don't want to discount his Hakeem-like move the other night in the paint. But, he's yeah, it's exactly right, though. He's doing the things that he's most comfortable with now, which is definitely different than what he used to do. But, yeah, we're thriving. His connection with Mikhail and Cam, even, uh, there's great things there. And Frank has been excellent for us in this stretch. Along with that, Aiton... Anytime a seven-footer has a lower leg injury of any kind, you don't need to rush him back. And especially if we're winning games without him, I'd let him take all the time in the world, like until we lose a game or whatever. I mean, let Frank ride this thing out. He's hot. I agree. I agree. Him and JaVale are holding it down. Yeah, JaVale's five-minute spurts out there, are they're great. Um, there's still some boneheaded plays. I mean, that does happen once in a while with him, but he'll do, he'll redeem himself. It it will always happen. He'll, he'll show up on the defensive end or catch an alley-oop or something, but he's, he's been, uh, great for us, especially filling that void we had last year from last year's roster. Yes. Yeah, we we all know him from Shaq to the Fool, but he is still a good player, and I just love his effort. He's got a lot of the talent, and he just always gives 100% effort. I've just noticed that early on in this season, and I think that's why sometimes he makes some of these boneheaded plays, is because he's really just trying so hard all the time. Yeah, and for being a seven-foot guy with a wingspan like that, he's literally all over the court. Yes, he, it's it's amazing at the ground that he covers. It's pretty impressive. And I mean, I caught just a little bit. He was chasing down his man. Uh, it was it wasn't a fat, quite a fast break, but the opposing center was trying to beat him down to the block. And JaVale just kicked it into another gear and caught right up to the guy. And man, it's uh, pretty impressive at his age and his size, the way that he can still move. And, you know, he can still get up a little bit, too. Yeah, yeah, he can. He finishes some of those oops pretty nicely, and yeah, it's. I'm still glad to have him on the team. I really like JaVale. Oh, yeah, and here's another thing. We talked about it a bit before the show, but we're hoping Frank Kaminsky stays in the lineup when Aiden does return. He's earned a few minutes per game, and we, we know JaVale can't go long stretches, so 
if Aiton, you know, picks up two quick early ones, I feel pretty confident in throwing Frank Kaminsky in there now. I think the whole team probably feels pretty confident with that. Yeah. I mean, clearly everyone on the team loves Frank. Like, he's a great locker room guy. But, yeah, give him five minutes a game, and if he gets hot, if he makes a couple shots, keep him in a little longer. If guys are hurt, give him more of a chance. And then, you know, when it comes playoff time, that changes because of matchups and all of that kind of thing where he may need to play more. He might not play even a second. We'll figure that out. But regular season, give him a few minutes a game. Absolutely. All right. More good news on the injury front, I suppose. Campaign back from injury, played his first game against the Kings, and then he just goes out there and ties his career high. Had a great game, not a ton of minutes either, so it was all just really efficient stuff. <clears throat> and it's just good to see him get back into the flow pretty quickly after returning. Yeah, he had a great game against the Kings. Um, <laughs> I feel like this happens every time I say something like this, but I texted you right before uh, he went off and I said, is campaign just straight up bad? And I can't even remember what he said. Yeah. Sometimes uh, he's kind of streaky, whatever. And then like he went off right after he made a three, right. like seconds after I sent that to you. And I was like, okay, maybe he's not that bad. So I feel like I go through such like a love hate relationship with campaign. But at the end of the day, like he is a great backup point guard. For sure. And he's such a great change of pace when we take Chris out of the game because we we know the offense slows down a bit with Chris. He can work that pick and roll just fine and get a shot that he needs or find someone else. But when we have Cam in there, we're moving the ball a little quicker. We're attacking the rim a little bit more often. And, you know, on defense, he's still bringing it there. He's so pesky. So it's nice, a nice change of pace when he comes in for Chris. And, you know, I don't have uh, anything bad to say about the little Alfred Payton experience while Payton's out either, either, though. You know how I feel about Alfred Payton. I like him. I have a weird like for him that probably is unwarranted, but I did not mind him coming in. I thought he played well. Uh, But it's good to have Payne back. And uh, I will add, he did play 12 minutes against Atlanta, but it was super limited. He didn't do very much. He didn't seem like he was completely ready to go. But this Kings game, he was. For sure. Yeah, Yeah, and um, like Frank, maybe when we get further into the season, maybe even playoffs, Alfred's number gets called. And once he gets uh, a little more familiar with the system and – the team, yes. Yes. I think that'll be another great option. We're, we're back with another deep roster. Yes, especially because Alfred Payton is a better defender than Payne. Like, yeah. that's just, I think that goes without saying. Uh, and I think he also does some similar things to Payne. He's a great passer. He does get that ball moving quickly. I mean, Alfred Payton's knock is that he gets out of control a little bit too easily. Um but, yeah, I think it's a nice option to have in case of injury and then for certain matchups in the playoffs. Totally. All right, let's talk about Devin Booker a little bit here. And he's actually having his best three-point shooting season since 2017. This is why it's important not to react too quickly. Because he had a rough couple three-point shooting games early on. And I saw people saying... Booker can't even shoot the three anymore. It's like the NBA is a long season. 82 games. If you're cold for three or four games, it's not going to last that long. And, yeah, he's shooting the three really well. He's super hot right now. And he's got a lot of confidence. I think he he was a bit down on himself, it seemed, but that's that's over. Yep, totally. And I think a big part of that, getting over that little hump was the fact that he was getting so many good looks. I mean, none of these, uh, hardly any of these threes that he's made during this little five game winning streak have even been contested. I mean, he's, he's hitting open shots and that's because we're doing a great job of getting into the lane, collapsing the defense and kicking it out. 
I mean, how do you leave Devin Booker that wide open? Sometimes there's not even a guy within five feet of him, and of course he's going to be knocking down those. I think it's just because we're so good at moving the ball. Yeah. Like, we usually have someone open. And, yeah, you'd think teams would really key in on Devin Booker, but sometimes he's wide open. Right. And, man, I think teams have really been trying to – they're they're trying to press us and not necessarily like a full court press, although we have seen some of that. But when when Chris Paul crosses half court, that defense is going to be tight on him and there's yeah. going to be a little there's going to be help ready to move over. And then those are the situations where one quick pass and then a swing pass and there's Booker wide open. So yep. it, right. it's pick your poison. Do you want to let Chris get past half court and into the pick and roll and then throw an easy alley oop or make a you know, a 75% mid-range shot. I mean, pick your poison. Yep, yep. All right, what else? Landry Shamit. Yeah, Landry Shamit. I think we we just need to hit on that. We've been waiting for this, and we saw him have a, a real nice game where the three started dropping. I think he went four for eight in one of these games. Mm-hmm. Um, which one was that? The Rockets, was it? He had a good game against the Rockets. Yeah. Nine, 19, 19 against the Rockets, yeah. four for eight from downtown, five for nine from the floor, four assists. Just it's nice seeing him get in there, and we're putting him on uh, the the other team's best scoring guard if we're in a bench situation. He's been. Uh, I'm trying to think. Brain fart here. So, yeah, he was on Trey against the Hawks, and in the Kings game, he was on Fox at times. So That's right. We're, uh, we're putting him in that spot, and I think he's, he's uh, just so fundamentally sound on defense with the athleticism where he does a good job staying in front of those guys. Yeah, he is playing well, and this is another reason not to react too quickly because a lot of people said, oh, he wasn't worth that contract. Now – We've had some time for that to settle, and I'm still a little surprised at how much money we gave him, but he's a good player, and, you know, I think you just got to give him some time to settle, and it's like you said, you got to learn a system. It's uh, Put it into perspective. If the average Joe is to start a new job, you're not going to become the top salesperson at the company on your third day. Or you're not going to be doing a minute. You're going to be getting trained. You're going to learn new things. Now, it's a little bit different because basketball is basketball, but you got to learn the, the ways of your new team. So it took him a couple games to settle in, and here he is. Now he's playing well like we expected. The other thing, a lot of players have been talking about the new Wilson ball, ah, yeah. saying that that's been a big adjustment. And we've seen – Especially with Booker and Chris Paul, but they've missed some free throws that have been big surprises. And they might just be saying this is an excuse, but they're saying we're not used to the ball yet. It takes a while to get used to that. So I don't know how much of a role that played, but I imagine it's a little different. Yeah, like in high school, we switched balls between junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. And so you got, you know, the athletic department got 20, 25 of these new balls, and they were some like they were by like Baden or Biden, oh, yeah, and they were just a little different than the the normal. I I don't remember what brand they were, mm-hmm. Wilson or whatever, but they were you could tell they were different, and they do take some get, getting used to. But I mean, I'm surprised that the NBA would have made such a big change. Yeah. I think it must have just been a contract thing where the contract with Spalding ran out and Wilson got one going. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure, but that's just my guess. Yeah, that is interesting, but hopefully uh, maybe that's why we're, we've been so terrible from downtown this year, just <laughs> exclusively on the new balls. I don't think it helps. <clears throat> that's what I'm going with. All right. Let's talk about last week's games a little bit here. First one against the Pelicans was a win, 112 to 100. Uh, the Pelicans came out real hot in this one, 36 to 22 after the first. And then in the fourth, we double them up, 36 to 18, to win this game. Yeah, this was a game that was really ugly early on. 
And I was in a Zoom meeting, actually, during the first half. So I had the game on in the background, wasn't fully paying attention. This meeting I was in is like a once a month thing, and it's pretty important. So um, I was kind of just passively watching it. And I looked up and saw the score, and I, I texted you and said, should I even watch the second half? Is it really that bad? And you were like, yeah, don't bother. But of course mm-hmm. I kept it on. And yeah, we turned things around. We looked a lot better in the second half. And the Pelicans have their fair share of injuries. No Zion. I believe Brandon Ingram was out for this one as well. Right. He's been hurt for a while. So that doesn't help. But yeah, by the fourth quarter, we did what we needed to. Yeah, Pelicans are 1-10 in 10 right now, or the last time I checked them out on the They're standings list. So it, it's going to be rough until they get B.I. and Zion back for sure. Yes. Uh, one takeaway from this game, some really beautiful balanced scoring. Uh, Mikhail Bridges leads the way with 22. Then we have five other guys in double figures. Crowder with 13. JaVale with 18 in 19 minutes on an efficient 7 for 10. Booker goes for 18. Paul with 14. And then Frank Kaminsky, 17 points, plus 18 on the game. Just uh, he, He's been so good, and it's it's so <laughs> fun to joke about. Because I've done my fair share of joking about it, but I mean, if he keeps this up on a nightly basis, <laughs> we can't joke about it then. I know. He had four steals and a block, too. <laughs> <laughs> Why oh, not? that's hilarious. Why I not? Know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, really, I think what happened here is Valanciunas had a pretty big first half. He had a good game against us, and no one else really did a whole lot for them. I guess Josh Hart had 16 points, but their team's a little bit rough right now. Yep, I I think they got off to a pretty hot start shooting, and that's literally why they put up 36 points in the first. So they tallied off after that quite a bit. Right. Not a lot of guys named Herbert in the NBA, though. No. Herbert no. Jones, the rookie. Yeah, Not a he, lot of Herberts. I bet he wasn't expecting to get thrown into a starting lineup in his rookie year. Yeah, probably not. No, that's that's pretty wild. All right, let's move it on to the Rockets game. Another team with only one victory when we played. They were 1-7 at the time. We take this one 123 to 111. And in the first half, the second quarter, they scored 31 to our 20. So this is yet another game in this winning streak where we just absolutely die early on sometime in the game. And, you know, we have to claw back after that. But luckily, this was another occasion where we were able to. Yeah, I feel like this is an issue we've had for the past like two years where we just have one horrible quarter. Like, it's not like all our quarters are balanced or anything. It's like one really horrible quarter, and then we usually redeem it. Like this game, 20 points in the second, but 37 in the third. So, yeah, it's it's a little weird. I it, You're going to have bad quarters, but I'd like to see that be maybe 25, not 20. That'd be nice. Right. Yeah, it it seems like there's been a lid on the basket a few occasions this year where we where we go numerous minutes without a bucket. And that's that's just worrying, especially when Chris Paul and Booker are out there and it still happens. Uh, I don't know. Can we still write it off to it being early on in the year? Uh, These are new things being thrown at the team that we need to figure out how to beat. Maybe that's part of it. But I mean, all in all, Chris Paul not scoring as many points as we're used to, but leading the league in assists and mm. D-Book coming alive and getting buckets lately. I think this is just a, a little hitch where we'll soon learn or remember how to beat teams when they're just giving us all that defensive pressure. Yeah, and also this was the seventh game of the season, so pretty early still. Yeah, very true. All right, then the Hawks game. So after the the Pelicans and the Rockets, this one the the competition factor ramps up quite a bit, uh, quite a bit against these guys. But we managed to win 121 to 117, and here here it is another huge quarter, 35 to 19 in the fourth, 
to come back and win after they had went up 40 to 27 in the third quarter. So, man, the, it's just not consistent from us yet. I mean, we, we, we're yet to put together four full quarters. No, but Booker did what he needed to. 38 points on 14 for 21 shooting. Yeah. Five for nine from three. Ooh, those are nice numbers. 14 for 21. Whew, that's really nice. I've been waiting for one of these. Uh, one of those <clears throat> uber-efficient Devin Booker games. I'm I'm a big fan of that. And he, he's uh, doing a solid job. I feel like he's grabbing a ton of rebounds this year. I don't know if the he numbers is. show it, but it seems oh, like they it's do. on the glass. Yeah. Okay. He's and on then, the fantasy team, so yeah. Okay, nice. And then the playmaking is coming to life, too. It seems like he's uh, – him and McHale have a nice little fast break connection going on. Mm-hmm. Love seeing that uh, end in two points for Bridges on those occasions. Yep, yep, that's nice. And then another great Frank Kaminsky game, 16 points, 7 for 10 shooting. Talk about it. I mean, when your two stars shoot <laughs> 70% and 66%, you're going to win a lot of games. <laughs> yep. yep, just another night where Book and Kaminsky combined for over 50 in a win, you know, yeah. normal Suns things there. Right. And then I do want to mention here, campaign, like I said, plays 12 minutes and is minus 12. So he was for sure not ready to come back in this game. No, that that was a, a little bit surprising to see that happen so quickly in those minutes. Um, it didn't feel like that was quite happening watching the game, but then when you look at the box score afterwards, you're like, whoa, that all happened in those 12 and a half minutes. But yeah, that, that's a fact. So really nice to see him have a quick bounce back after the, the shaky return. Yes, yes. He definitely was much better in that Kings game. And like we had talked about already, 24 points for him in that one on 9 for 14 shooting. Way better. And his shot selection is one of the biggest issues I have with his game. He tries to play hero ball too much. I start to have uh, to relive memories of Mike James <laughs> and not quite that bad. Definitely not quite that bad, but we've seen a lot of that as Suns fans, a lot of hero ball from not very good players. And I think it's a lot like Eddie was talking about with Frank campaign just has to play his game and not try to do too much. If he gets caught under the basket, he needs to pass. He can't get too fancy. He just has to stick with the fundamentals and do what he does best. I can sum up campaign's game. Off the dribble three, no thank you. (laughs) Catch and shoot three, go for it. Yes. Um, Driving into the lane with the leaning forward left-handed trying to sneak it off the glass but will likely get blocked two or three times per game no thank you no. uh floater in the middle of the lane yes every time yeah so the floater love it the catch and shoot love it i'd like to see the pick and roll game as a passer improve a little bit more though yes. because yes i feel like he's not he's not converting too many assists on those and he's trying to go up with a little with that stuff a little bit too often and i mean it's going to get blocked it, it's it's obviously going to, yes so. yes and then keep the fast break stuff going keep going faster change that pace up right mm-hmm. yeah okay but- you know, and he had a good game in this because the next leading scorer for us was Booker with 18. Eight for 17 shooting, so not bad. But then, like you said, nine rebounds, six assists. It was, I mean, he did well. Chris Paul had 16. Mikhail Bridges had 16. But, yeah, real all-around good team effort in this one. Totally. And nice to come back and win against this team after Harrison Barnes beat us on the buzzer beater the first time uh that that stuff i i'm so tired of the suns getting beaten by buzzer beaters so that kind of that just sticks around but harrison barnes pretty solid player man he's having a great season he's he is turning it up and he's so he's like a he's a swiss army knife for sure he can do so many different things he can guard bigger guys he can put the ball on the ground 
I it feels like he was getting to the rim at will against us, even with JaVale standing at you know standing standing in the paint trying to stop him. He was just getting by everybody. So uh, I wonder if he's going to be a big trade target later this year, or mm-hmm. if the Kings are going to. You know, if they keep this up near 500 basketball, I mean, they'll they'll keep him around. But yeah. I I bet he might be a pretty hot commodity if someone's trying to buy in big. Yeah, like when the Lakers are trying to rebuild the entire team halfway yeah, through the season or a week before the trade deadline. You know. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I love their collapse so much. Um, speaking of collapses, though, we had a Lakers-sized collapse against the Kings. I mean, being up, what was it, 24, and then they cut that lead down to, what, like five, three points at three, one point? I think, yeah. Yeah. So that wasn't good. And, again, I go back to Eddie. Eddie just has some great stuff on the broadcast. He says the second unit's job is not to extend the lead. It's just to maintain it. So even if you're just trading baskets – so be it. And this the bench unit could not do that. They were falling apart, and we were trying hard not to put Chris Paul and Dever, Devin Booker back in for this game, and they had to come in with five minutes left. Yeah, that's not a good situation. If those guys have been just cooling it on the bench for, what, eight minutes plus of game time, and so mm-hmm. 20 minutes of re- real time of just sitting there chilling out, it's not good to have to come back in after that. And then I also have some beef what happened after we bring Chris Paul and Book back in. I am so sick of watching us drain a clock from 24 seconds down to six before anyone even comes and sets a screen for Chris. I know. That drives me up a wall. And I understand time management within the game. You need to get a good shot late in the shot clock. That's fine. but. I mean, there was one occasion where he gets the pick with six seconds and then he fires a jump pass to JaVale at the free throw line with one and a half seconds left on the clock. You can't tell me that getting a shot up five seconds earlier than that or swinging the ball around a few times before that is any worse than what we what we've been seeing happen. I I don't get that. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I mean, the the box score shows it. 11 points in the fourth quarter. That's terrible. That's very bad. Uh, it was seven for, what, nine minutes of the yeah. fourth quarter? Yes. It took us so yeah. long to get, get into double digits in the quarter. Right. That's very worrisome. And I'd hate to see that stuff go down in the playoffs. Could you imagine watching us just daddle? 20 seconds away before even trying to get up a shot. Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. All right. That was the only big uh, the thing that really got on my nerves from last week. Right. Get it out of the way now. We still won this game. We should have won by 20, but we won by five instead. And we have a five-game win streak. Like you said, the sketchiest five-game win streak of Suns history, but it's a five-game win streak nonetheless. All right, game previews for next week. Uh, We got the Blazers Wednesday, the Grizzlies Friday, Rockets on Saturday, and then it looks like our next episode will likely be coming out after Suns at Wolves. That'll be next Monday. Or so. Or Tuesday. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) All right, so let's see here. Blazers, Dame Lillard. Quite the struggle early on this season. They're still 5-5, though. Uh, they, they have talent in other places, but do you see the Dame Lillard slump continuing on much longer this year here? I don't know. It's very surprising. I want to say no, but I don't think he's had a slump quite like this in a while. So hopefully it just continues at least one more game. Yeah, that'd be nice. I don't like seeing it happen, especially to a guy who's such a he's like a son's bro. Yeah, maybe I'd call it. You yeah, know, he, yeah. he pulled for Booker to replace him for his first All Star appearance. Uh, him and McHale are good buddies. He says that McHale's his favorite small forward to watch in the NBA. 
Yeah. Uh, he just had some nice things to say about the team recently. So that's all pretty right. cool. Uh, yeah, despite all the crazy business that's been going on. I know. I know. it. Yeah. So I guess the, the matchup of the teams that are being investigated by the league right now. There we go. <laughs> I wanted to say this earlier, but how thankful are the Blazers for how the Suns handled this? Oh, I mean, my it, gosh. I'm, I didn't even know about it. I'm right. not going to lie. I had no idea. Yeah, it was quiet because they all they said is, okay, let's do the investigation. And that was yeah. it. Yeah. They and saw there's exactly been enough, what not to do. <laughs> and, I mean, crazy sports news as, as a whole over the last week or two. I mean, yeah. so many just wild stuff going on. Yes. Yeah, did you see that uh, in the Bears-Steelers game? That ref, oh, the ref? like, ran yeah. into Cassius Marsh and, ugh. That was, he was wild. <clears throat> he was sticking his butt out and pulling his flag before he even made contact with the right, guy that was trying right. to run by him. That's that's a crummy move. And yes. What's going to happen to that ref? Probably nothing. Right. Probably nothing. And Marsh is going to get fined. And yeah. And then the whole Jokic being suspended for one game, pushing Markeith, that whole situation. Uh, I saw Markeith and Jimmy Butler both got fined for that situation, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, what What do you even say about that stuff? Like, Markeith is dirty. Yeah. Yeah. That was a that was a crappy take foul. It was a little too aggressive for the situation. Yeah. But you don't shove a guy in the back as hard as you can. You just don't do that. We saw right. Patrick Beverly do that to Chris Paul last year. Uh, one game suspension there as well. Right. I. We've seen Jokic do this before. Maybe not to this extent, but no. we, we've seen him have some some situations. My favorite picture of Jokic also resurfaced after this. You all probably know what I'm talking about. Throwing up the bird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that picture. Uh, <laughs> oh. Interesting week in, in uh, sports for sure. But all right. Suns at Grizzlies on Friday. The, the Job Morant experience. That should be a, a good matchup and you know, put McHale on him, put that put that insane wingspan on and see what happens. Jaw's been good. I really like him. And uh they've been starting my boy Brandon Clark at the five, go Zags. <laughs> so happy to see him back in the rotation. The rotation. The rotation, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Anyway, this is our bet question game. So we were trying to think of if we had any former Grizzlies players on the team. And we do. Jay Crowder. It was a while ago, but he was there. So how many threes will Jay Crowder make in the game against the Grizzlies? Uh, he's due for a, a hot one. But I'm going to I'm gonna say three. I want to say four, but for betting purposes, I'm saying three. I want to say four as well, but... I don't see it. I'm going to say two. So let us know on Twitter at Sonny and PHX pod. How many threes you think Jay Crowder will make in the game against his former team, the Grizzlies. That's on Friday and whoever's closest will get a shout out next week. And Sunday we have the Rockets. We head to Houston one and nine right now. Um, Let's hope that this should be another easy win. I, I don't know much to say about the Rockets ever since the Harden trade and then the John Wall stuff. I, I feel bad for that organization, especially their coach, because that's just a crappy hand yeah. he dealt. And, and Eric Gordon. Oh, yeah. He's going to get traded, though. You, like, yes, someone trade for Eric has. Gordon, please. Please, please. Oh, yeah. poor guy. I, I feel bad for them, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But they're just in the full rebuild mode. And, yeah, John Wall and Eric Gordon will probably be out of there soonish. So, Isn't it nice to just be able to have sympathy for a team like that now that we're okay? Yes, because we've yeah. been there so many times. We know what, we know what yeah. you guys are going Free through. Free Ryan Anderson. Free <laughs> Trevor Ariza. Oh. Uh, I don't want to be here. <laughs> All right. I'm looking, I've got that ball signed by the uh, 
16, 17 team, or it's either that or 15, 16. I can't remember. What year was our first year with our tickets? That was 17, 18. So this was the 16, 17 team. Okay. And I was looking at it the other day. I keep it in my office and I was looking at it and I'm like, yeah, Booker's signature is there and no one else is still on the team. Nope. We've got Barbosa. That's the other really cool signature. Nice. But I, we've got Marquise Chris, Dragon Bender, TJ Warren's on there. Um, Ronnie Price is on there. Ooh, nice. Derek Jones Jr. was on there. Jared Dudley is on there. Like, oh man, we had some rough teams. We should put that on eBay. I bet that's going for huge money. Yeah, I bet I could get like twelve dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you could maybe pay for shipping with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, okay, then to round it out, Suns at Wolves, our first matchup against them. They're struggling. Carl Anthony Towns, he's a little frustrated. Uh, he's being a little more verbal about it. Uh, the Twitter fingers are going a little bit. <laughs> so he's uh, he's frustrated, and I can't blame him. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh I'd be frustrated if I had to wear those neon green jerseys, too. Oh, those are bad. They're awful. They look like a battery. <laughs> I I do like Anthony Edwards, though. I think Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. He's great. He'll give us some troubles. He's he's big and physical, and uh, that's a, that'll be a great matchup for Mikhail, too. Uh, yeah. Right there. And then Russell, too. I'm not even sure. Is he even playing right now? It feels like he's I, always hurt. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, Edwards. Edwards, I think, is a tough matchup for Mikhail because he's so darn athletic. Yeah, and so like being that young and that strong is quite a combo to have. Uh, it's like Zion minus fifty pounds, <laughs> or sixty, oh, or seventy yeah, pounds, maybe. Yeah, who, yeah. who even knows by now? Zion's a big boy right now. But yeah, Edwards is great, and I don't see really any trouble in the game against the Wolves, but. Um, yeah, I, I like watching Edwards. I'm happy for him. And, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with them, with Towns being really frustrated. It just kind of reminds me of Booker's situation with the Suns. You know, Towns has been uh, had a pretty good attitude for the most part. He's been on a lot of bad teams. He's had kind of a rotating supporting cast. And um, the difference is the Suns just got good. It took a while, but we got good. And the, the, the Wolves... Uh, they haven't. Remember when everybody was so nervous when D'Lo went there and they were like, oh, no, mm-hmm. they're going to reform their, their friendship big three in Minnesota now. Oh, yeah. Okay. And again, how disappointed does Cat have to be that like D'Lo comes around and they're not any better? Right. Yeah. Man, oh, that's, that's tough. tough. All right. Well, on that note, let's move to our non-sports section of the show. We're going to be giving you a sparkling water update. Uh, we've talked about this, I think, somewhat recently. I really don't remember, but we're just big in that sparkling water game. So we're going to update you on where we're at with it. <laughs> uh, it's been We've been doing this show for quite a few years. It's, we're really close to the six-year anniversary, actually. And we're running out of non-sports <laughs> ideas. Yeah, if you want to just send me, like, a list on Twitter, go for it. But, yeah, we're, we're at the point where we're doing sparkling water update. <laughs> Lemoncello, though. Lemoncello, yeah, great. LaCroix, it, it's, the, it's the go-to. It might be the end-all, be-all. I don't know if I'll find one that I like more. Mm. But you haven't tried Spindrift yet. I still haven't, no. That might challenge you a little bit. That's what I'm drinking right now, mm-hmm. and I've got the lemon flavor. Um, I'm really big. The The one I'm on right now with the Spindrift is the Raspberry Lime. Um, it's got just a little bit more juice. That's the difference with these Spindrifts is it does actually have a little bit of juice, so the flavor is really nice. Um, but not a ton. I mean, this thing, this can has three calories in it, so not that big of a deal. Sure, a bit more than zero, but it still gets the job done for sparkling water and just a bit more flavor. 
the lemon is great grapefruit's great cranberry or raspberry lime is just where i'm at right now though i could drink those all day i think they really blew it on the branding though because like spindrift should be more of like a monster type drink you know <laughs> you think spindrift red uh, bull monster. I, I see that i see you know that. i think that mm-hmm. they they kind of goofed up there yeah they could have gone with a more i don't know more like imagine if am i suppose they could have like spindrift uh bumper stickers on cars and stuff yeah they could maybe sick. they just they just yeah they just need to rebrand they can still stay with what they are but yeah they need a logo like the monster logo or like rockstar they need yeah. to just have like a skull and crossbones or something i bet the the creator of red bull is like damn i missed out. i should have named the spin drift yeah yeah really i call them spinnies they say oh i need a spinny yeah Really good when they're nice and cold, too. Gotta be ice cold. Yep. Warm, sparkling water? No. No. If it's been sitting out for too long? No. If the bubbles aren't there, it just, uh, it takes everything away. Yes. But even within LaCroix, I love the limoncello. Give me a classic lime. Give me a pamplemousse. Uh, Their watermelon's nice. And the one that I think comes out of left field for me that I normally wouldn't gravitate toward this flavor, but they do it very well is passion fruit. Mm. They're passion fruit. Nice. Uh, Yet another thing that we don't agree on, Mitchell. (laughs) You don't like the passion fruit one? I don't. I don't. Uh, I like it. Sorry to disappoint. That's okay. I'm I'm just like so not picky with this stuff. I like just about all of them that I've had. Um, I could live without the orange, I suppose, but it's okay. fine still. I'll still drink it. Natalie bought a hibiscus one. Have you ever had those? I have. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Long, but I'll eh, take it. That goes pretty down, quite a ways down on the list of my favorite yeah. Lacroix. No, it's not high up there for me either, but yeah, it's, it's a great vehicle for something like a grapefruit. I think that's really the key is you need a strong flavor, lime, lemon, grapefruit, cranberry, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's where it usually works the best. And this is where we end the show. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back. We're doing Tuesday night. Monday night, Tuesday night, something like that. that that's going to be the, the go-to from here on out, just a reminder. So be looking out for those Monday or Tuesday episodes. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod, and we'll see you again next week. Go Suns. <laughs>